Wild West was a place that was void of God's law and every man did what was right in his own eyes. More than 95% of Americans lived in places with fewer than 2,500 inhabitants. By 1830, the distance of the prairie needed circuit riders to spread God's word. Some called them saddlebag preachers. These were a different kind of clergy, used to long, dusty roads and lonely, empty spaces. They rode from church to church on horseback. These days, many of those same places still have less than 2,500 folk. The men and women who are called there are still a different breed of clergy. The needs are different, but the call to reach men and women with the message of Christ is still the same. In the spirit of these circuit riders, we aim to meet a few of those specific needs. Welcome to the Circuit Rider Podcast. Here are your hosts. Hey, everybody. Thank you for joining us on the Dirt Roads Circuit Riders Podcast. We are so thankful you're here. We are joined by the leader in the vineyard movement of Small Town USA, the guy who is the... Rural church pastor for the Vineyard Movement, Michael Houle, and then wow. the <laughs> Rural Teen Ministry. I was going to say wizard, but some people object guru. to that. Guru. Guru. I don't the think The man with a plan <laughs> whose Genius. wife runs the show, Doug Rutledge. And if you've never met Dawn, some, I'm telling you what, that lady oh. is amazing. I, I, you know, she lowered her standards one time. I was going to say, I was going to say, some people like level up when they get married. Some people double level up. And I think Doug double level up. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, I'll take that. <laughs> so I was at a church. I was at a church. We are, we are broadcasting to you today from Wisconsin. And so the great we, state of Wisconsin. We had to have cheese today. I mean, there's Chippewa, cheese stands everywhere. Yeah. And it's Chippewa or Chippewa. No, Chippewa. it's not Chippewa. It's Chippewa. Yeah, you guys figured this it's out like for me. Yep. You guys figured this, and and so I was past. I was I, I preached at a uh, a church up in the North Woods, and I preached a sermon that that if um, you've ever had me speak in your church, you've probably heard a little bit of is Matthew chapter nine, and it was uh, a call to action and all this kind of stuff. And so the pastor gets up when it, when I'm done, and he says. You know, guys, he says, this afternoon we're going to watch the Packers play football because I think that that's like religion up here, isn't it, Mike? It's a state law, actually. You have to watch the Packers. Correct. Which is why there's so much beer. And cheese, yeah, and and so many other things that are wrong with the culture up here. We're we oh, are whoa, whoa, we whoa, are whoa. missionaries up here in Wisconsin, and so he says, "Here's God's here's, country, by yes, the way." Yes, here's here's what he said. It is beautiful up here. If you have never been to the Northwoods, you need to go to the Northwoods. I mean, you just Especially absolutely it is it is amazing this time of year. But the pastor said, when we're watching the game this afternoon. We will not see this very often because they won't even show it on TV. But between every play, Aaron Rodgers is going to call the team together. And he's going to give them their instructions. And and it's the huddle. But we don't watch the game to watch the huddle. We watch the game to watch the action. And some of you think that you just experienced church. We just experienced the huddle. The real ministry is about to happen Sunday through Saturday. 
let's, you know, and, and I, I expected him to get everyone up together and do, you know, where you put your hands in the middle and all that Huddle. kind of stuff. <laughs> Huddle. So last, last podcast, we, we rambled a little bit because we were like making predictions about the future and we wanted you to all know that we weren't prophets and all that kind of stuff. But we really started to jumping, we, we really jumped into some deep subjects. And one of them is, and, and I'm going to try to summarize it and then I'm going to throw it to you is that the very role of what a pastor does and what a congregation does is changing. And for those who are going to thrive, we're not saying everyone's going to be like this because, you know, it is what it is. Some pl- some people are not going to change, and then someday they're just going to go away. Their, their organization is just going to go away. But we are convinced that churches that are going to be effective ministry centers in the future are going to be churches where the role of the pastor and the role of the congregation and the goal of what they're trying to do fundamentally changes. So with that, I'm just going to throw it to you guys. Let's flesh that out. We said that we would go deeper. I think the role is really going to change um, from the sense of this. You're going to be going from the what I call hierarchy model of an I do everything model. Those are the two models that I see. The hierarchy model, like listen to me. You do everything you say and listen, I just tell you what to do and it works that way kind of thing, or I do it for you, which is probably the classic role model. Let's be honest, yep. ladies and gentlemen. You are the do everything model, not just, I mean, inside your church. I'm talking about outside your building. I'm like, you are the ones that, you're the one that probably goes to every community thing. You're the one that does all those type of stuff and you tell them to worry about your neighbors, but you're the one taking care of all the neighbors. And I think that role changes to more of a team concept which, by the way, is what Generation Z and the millennial generation is desiring. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yes, every farmer and rancher that I know, by the way, is a jack of all trades. That is a rural expectation. Absolutely. So, so most pastors, you know, if you're listening to me today, chances are you're doing your own bulletin. Oh, absolutely. Doing your own bulletin. You're not doing your own bulletin. You're probably doing your own slides. You're probably you might even clean your own church. Yeah. And what we're saying is, is that the economics have changed. You're probably going to have to go get a job, and and so don't how, be depressed by that. Yeah. <laughs> don't and don't just go. Oh man, Steve says I got to get a job. Yeah, I mean, and and what we had talked about is the other reality is is that the needs of the community are greater. Our culture is falling apart. We have addictions and unemployment, and I mean, so I'm facing greater. This is where we left it. I'm facing mm, greater right. ministry demands, and. There's no, there's probably not going to be enough money there for me to live off what the congregation pays me. And what that means is, is I have to rethink everything when it comes to what we do as a congregation. So here's the comparison, right? I think what we're asking, we're asking pastors to do, first of all, is not go and get a job. That's not the, the deal. But what we're saying is, is the call so weighty that even though the career path didn't work out the way you thought, you're still equally called to the community and the people that you're serving? Are you willing to do whatever it takes to follow God? And listen, I'm, I'm preaching to myself on this one. So um, start there. The interesting thing for me, I was doing a comparison as we're talking about this. We're, as, we're, as we rethink how to win, there are two ways to win as I see it. And I don't want anybody to you know, write emails saying that's so trite. We this haven't is, given them this their, is not winning, our email right? address. We've yeah. given them our face. Like they can message us on Facebook. They can. And we can read the first two or three lines of that Facebook message and decide if we're even going to open it. Oh, uh, yeah. That's, uh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. So the wins um, and, 
and I would just suggest this, that we are in a battle. So winning is imperative. God has promised it, but he doesn't promise it to me as a pastor in my little community. I can do the wrong things and it can cost us a battle. Um, there are two ways. Alabama football and Clemson football, both great football programs. Bear with me as I, You're you know. You're in Wisconsin. Uh, what? That hurts. Well, I, was looking, I was looking for a good football team this year. And I, but Clemson's <laughs> not that good either. And here's, here's the difference. They have no offensive this line. Is, this is my point. You, uh, Clemson might have the best player in the country three straight years. They might have the best player for three years. Alabama has the best player in the country um, three years in a row. Yeah, but there's salary could be a cap different, is, is larger. Sure. It can be a different player each year for Alabama. In fact, if you're a quarterback in Alabama, the chance that you play two years as the leading quarterback, as the starting quarterback, are slim. Right. Same thing for the great programs. like Now, Clemson was a great team, but they had the single best quarterback in college football for three consecutive years. My point is, <laughs> it's a stretch, but just hang on for hang on. Our objective here is to make sure that we have enough people on our team and we aren't relying on the cult of personality that comes from a winning person who might leave our, our, our church. And that's happened. Winning people or people who have led the congregation, led the charge, they've left for a variety of reasons. We talked about those a few podcasts ago. Yeah. And we were relying on them. The, the issue, Steve, as you say it all the time, is that a pastor needs to turn in and look at the team, developing the team. Those, those are your words. That's, uh, that's where we're sort of heading. Absolutely. So, Pastor, um, if you go over to Ephesians 4, and you've heard this so many different times, you know, our job is to equip the saints for acts of service. So let's just, let's just really get into this. Just, just peel this back a little bit. As a pastor, I love being the one that people turn to for spiritual advice. I love being the one that is seen as the holy man in the community. I love being the one that is reverenced and is treated special. And I go to the restaurant and someone buys my meal. If I have a restaurant in my town, I don't have a restaurant in my town. I live like 20 miles away from a restaurant. <laughs> but you understand what I'm saying. We have to give up our Messiah complex. And then, and I'm going to sound like I'm just preaching, and I feel like sometimes I just take over and I speak too much. But then my love for that, has attracted people who love to receive that. Right. They love to receive that fine sermon. They love for me to visit them in the hospital. They love, and here's what I'm saying, that is going away, the, 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 the pastor being the center of all that. Well, I can't do it if I'm bivocational. You can't, and you shouldn't yeah, be. Right. Do you, you, we realize, right, that the idea of a full-time pastor in Christianity has only appeared here and there throughout church history. Most of the heroes of the faith, like we go way, way back. I mean, in the Catholic Church, maybe, you know, you had you know, where they were actually the government running the show. Mm -hmm. but, but the idea of us being full-time pastors isn't always found in Scripture. I mean, the leading 
person in scripture other than Jesus was the apostle Paul, a tent maker. So yeah. what does that mean? I have to div- I have to allow myself to not be the center of attention and then I have to tell people who are used to receiving all of my attention that they're not coming in anymore to receive goods and services on Sunday morning, but it truly is a huddle that they now are I mean I mean this is a shift in thinking that we're because We've become self-centered rural churches. You know, I think that leads to an obvious question. Great, Steve. I get you. Bivocational. Don't think I want to hear it, but got to deal with it. How do I do this? How do I shift to a team concept? How do I shift where everybody is actually a minister of the gospel? How do I shift from inside the building to outside the building? Because if it's complicated, it's not going to work. So how do I do it? Pastor, look at yourself first. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you're not out there, um, then that's going to be a problem. You know, look at yourself first. Um, the second thing is realize that most people came to uh, know Jesus for legitimate reasons. They needed Jesus. They needed what he offered. They needed heaven. We have preached over and over again. You can't get there without him. You can't do this yourself. You can't do this yourself. But now when we have to do some stuff, the pastor seems like he's changing his tune and he's saying, you need to do some stuff. You need to work. And, um, I talked about, uh, I preached recently about spending our inheritance where we're entitled. I'll share this and then Mike, I'll kick to you. Um, in uh, verse 25, uh, Jeremiah chapter 32. So, um, God has painted a horrible picture for Jeremiah. He says, look, you're going to fall. Judah's coming down. The, the ramparts are built up against the walls get ready. The Chaldeans are going to come in. And then he says this really interesting statement, verse 25, yet you, O Lord God have said to me, buy for yourself a field with silver and call it in a witness, even though the city has been delivered into the hands of the Chaldeans. In other words, Jeremiah walls are coming down. This thing is not going to survive the way you're used to it. So invest in the, the, in the lost cause. And I wish that pastors understood we're called to sacrifice, to to die on the cross with Christ, and we're called to do this sacrificial thing. And somewhere along the lines, we got some kudos, and we think that's the way it's supposed to be. So I'm going to answer the question that I asked. Yeah. How do I do it? Because I, I was yes. cheating. It was a setup for myself. Um, yeah. So I, I, how do you do is very simply start with the premise that Doug said. But moving beyond that, all right, now that you're thinking, okay, well, it's not about me. How, how it's the next step? Because if you've never done it before, it's going to start with a simple word that we all know called relationship. I am convinced that what has happened is, oh, I have a need. You fill it for me is an awful strategy anyways. And it's no, no longer even worth your time to do. So that means looking at the people you have, you still pastor everybody. Don't hear me come back to me with a letter saying, you told me I don't have to pastor this person because he's annoying, doesn't want to invest in the community. I'm not saying that. But you, you, what you invest in is what you get. And what you give relationship to is what you get. Jesus had three. And by the way, you can be frustrated if you're three. Jesus had to have been because I know about you, but Peter would have drove me crazy. And, and the truth of the matter is you take time to invest in him. The I see you, what I see in you model and calling out empowering people is what needs to happen. And what you're doing is you're not asking you something outside the way God has created them. You're asking the things that God's already came to do. Absolutely. And, and Pastor, here's what I want to say here. So, so you begin to have these I see in you conversations. You begin to teach from the pulpit 
that we are in this together, that everybody is a minister. All of us are gifted to serve. And it's not that we're gifted to serve the church. We're gifted to serve the community. I mean, we have, we're, we are all missionaries, but then pastor, you're going to have to be patient because you are ministering to people who for 40 years have had pastors teaching them the church growth model, and they think their job, the way that they make disciples, is to help you build a big church. And so you're presenting them with a whole new paradigm. You're going to have to be patient with them. But here's, here's the thing. We either adopt this different mentality or else we're going to die. And it's a biblical and, it's and, a and, biblical thing. And Pastor, it doesn't mean you don't care about Sunday mornings. I, I want to state that real quick. And, and by the way, your church should be growing if it's healthy. And, and by the way, if you do this model, your church will grow whether you mean to or not. Right. And, and the reality, though, is, is once you start giving up control and allow the Holy Spirit to run the church, which might be a novel concept, you'll see amazing things happen. And, and I think that's when you start to invest in others. I, I guarantee you right now there's people in your church who are waiting for you just to do this I see in you moment. And once you do that, you're going to be surprised. I, 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 you can, you, that you can challenge me on, but, but there's somebody somewhere in your church that's just waiting for you to just call them out. You're going to be surprised by that, and I'll guarantee you this too. Once you start to invest in your community, you will see really good things happen. And not, not just for your church, but for your community. And I know, Pastor, you probably really love your community for God. We have taught people to come and grow. This is a place where you come and you yes. grow and you grow and you grow and you grow. And I'm not I'm not condemning churches that have gotten big. Please don't misunderstand Correct. that. Correct. I, I mean, I, I love big church experience. I love, uh, you know, and some of them are so good at, at taking care of the people in their flocks. Look, I love that. But the, the truth is that's not a workable scenario in rural America anyway. And the second part is that it, it may, may not ever work again. It might, I, you know, God's grace. But I, I do realize that we had a problem in the United States long before this happened. It was called yes. the 80% problem, which yes. is that 80% of America's churches were doing 100% of growth, spiritual growth. Yeah. The, the only thing they were preaching, they were teaching, they were doing Bible studies, they were doing what they called discipleship, but there was no, no opportunity for service, no opportunity for missionary work, no opportunity to lead your neighbor to Jesus. And they got used to being pew sitters. Yeah. So like with our, our ministry, Dirt Roads Network, we, we had programs where we were meeting online with pastors on a regular basis and they, we, we call them cohorts. And the more that we thought about it, one, we want to be rural, so we want to use words that resonate in a more ag agrarian culture, you know, with agriculture and all that. But more, we want it to reflect what we really believe. And so we've switched to the word cooperative. In a co-op, everyone there's a common goal. There's some leadership there. I mean, there's some organization there. But everybody comes to this, the, the table. Really, there, there might be a first among equals but it's really all of us. And, and we are all here to serve the same Jesus. To, we have the same goal. You know, we went through a time where people were quoting from Hebrews chapter 10 to us, you know, like, let's, you know, let's not give up 
meeting together. So, and so the focus was on that Sunday morning. But let's go back and just read what that says. You know, verse 23, 1023 of Hebrews, let us hold on swervingly to the hope that we profess for he who promises faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on. Think about that one another. That's not hierarchy. That's not the pastor being the hero. It's us coming together and spurring one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But when we meet together, encouraging one another. Think of all the one another's in this. This is not hierarchy. This is not the pastor doing all the work. And then it says, do this all the more as we see the day approaching. As we get into tough times, we need to get back to the church being one another. We are on mission together. We are not here to receive religious services. We are here to spur one another on because we are all missionaries in our rural communities. So practically speaking, I would say this. Number one, uh, um, you're going to have to reteach the purpose of church to yes. your congregation and, and take time with it. I mean, yeah. you got time. It's Just, a process. Yeah. Take time, but begin teaching about the purpose of my being a believer. Let, reteach that. Uh, the second thing that you do is you repray it. So I, I really do think this. You, you have to repray, Lord, this is your Holy Spirit communicating to us. And we, we've, We've maybe miscommunicated it for years. Lord, help us. It's, I found it interesting. Robert Coleman in uh, the book, The Master Plan of Evangelism. So that book is written in 1961. 1961. In 1961, he was already saying, Elvis has left the building. And that's a fascinating st- So he was aware of that 60 years ago, that the continued way of doing ministry was going to come to a close. Yeah, that's, you know, we, we probably need to wrap this up yeah. a little bit, but I want to wrap this up with Jesus's perspective of what we're saying. Okay, because this, I don't think pastors, I just want to be honest, I go around the country trying to encourage churches to become rivers rather than lakes, trying to understand, to help people understand we're in a mission field today. We're not trying to establish churches anymore. We're trying to change communities and make disciples. And so in Matthew chapter nine, and I preached about this Sunday, so you just have to, you guys are going to, you're going to, here's another great sermon illustration for you. <laughs> no, but, but so you, let's say your community's falling apart. You look at your, your small town, it is absolutely falling apart. And you look to the scripture to, to know how to pray. How do you pray when your community's falling apart? How do you pray for your community? Well, guess what? That's the wrong question. Jesus, as he goes through Matthew chapter 9, I want you to just hang here with me for a minute. Jesus, as he goes through the cities and the towns, the villages, the communities of 150 or less, he turns to the disciples. He sees them. I mean, I'm not going to preach the whole sermon. But he turns to the disciples and he says, pray to the Lord of the harvest that this community will change, that people will turn to God and that they'll start coming to our church. No, he doesn't pray for the community at all. Think about this. He says, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out workers. He looks, his prayer for our little congregation scattered across rural America is that we would be sent out. And of course, uh, you know, I can't tell this without saying that word send out is actually 
cast out. It's the word that is used to describe Jesus casting out demons. So Jesus's prayer isn't for our community. It's that our churches would get that all of us, all of us are workers and that we're not in the harvest field, we're in church. And that he, his prayer, the way that, the, the way that we're, we're sitting here in, I cannot say it right, Chippewa Falls. Chippewa Falls. Say quick. He doesn't. <laughs> his his prayer is for the churches that they that we be sent out. His prayer isn't for the community. And so this is just a shift that needs to take place. Well, pastors, listen. Thank you for listening to us. We talk about rambling. We might have rambled a little bit today, but this shift is so important. And we'll see you next week, guys. Have a blessed week. Ask the Holy Spirit what he wants you to do this week. He's a little bit better attuned at what you need to hear. We will talk to you in just a few weeks. Thanks for joining the Dirt Roads Circuit Riders podcast. The Circuit Riders would like to thank our partners for their interest in assisting rural leaders. Rich Roast Custom Coffee. Supporting rural missionaries with a wide variety of delicious worldwide coffees. Our friends at thinkorange.com wanting to join your team to help you create a better experience this week for kids and teenagers. Katrina at crossroadsfarm.org. Vineyard Small Town USA. Vineyard Small Town USA. Equipping churches to plant in small towns across America. Disciples of Jesus making disciples. MultiplyVineyard.org slash SmallTownUSA. Crossroads Farm, working alongside of rural remote churches to provide an outsourced cooperative youth ministry that really works. CRF, loving the rural team. www.CrossroadsFarm.org. Dirt Roads Network, transforming rural America by planting and revitalizing life-giving churches in small towns and communities. www.DirtRoadsNetwork.com. For more information about the Circuit Riders or any of these partners, check out our Facebook page or contact them on each of their websites. On behalf of the Riders, I'm Carl Miller saying, until the next Circuit Riders podcast next week, happy trails.